Hello everyone, and welcome to episode episode 5, A Threat to the Coalition, an addendum. I had been planning for this episode to actually provide, start providing some history behind the Australian Labor Party, but I did not like the way that my previous episode finished up. So this is going to be a short episode to give my thoughts on the events that followed after Harold Holt's disappearance. I just want to add a bit more information on my thoughts. I thought it was about time that the actions of some of the key players in these events are more carefully scrutinised. Let us start with the Governor-General, Lord Casey. We talked in Episode 3 about John McEwen and Billy McMahon's feud. We also established that Lord Casey, the Governor-General, held McMahon to be primarily responsible for this. In July of 1967, Casey asked for and received permission from Harold Holt, the Prime Minister, for Casey to speak to Billy McMahon, the Prime Minister's deputy, to discuss their dispute. The formal, formal discussion would not take place with McEwen, the other combatant. McMahon would wait for six months before seeing the Governor-General in December of 1967. When they finally did meet, Casey made it clear that the difficulties he had with McEwen could affect the stability of the government. So according to the Governor-General, this was McMahon's difficulties with McEwen, not the other way around. Understandably, McMahon was not happy with what was a political dispute should be raised by the Governor-General. After all, Surely it was up to the Prime Minister to resolve the issue with McMahon himself. The Governor-General lectured McMahon about being, and I quote, careful in their, in their relations with newspaper men, unquote, and accusing McMahon of destabilising the government with his attacks on John McEwen. During his discussion with McMahon, Casey revealed that he was in his role as Governor-General he was advising John McEwen to stay in politics as long as possible. He even suggested that McMahon's strained relationship with the country party leader was keeping, and I quote, McEwen in a degree of nervous tension which affected his health and so menacing him remaining in Parliament, unquote. Was it really appropriate for the Governor-General to involve himself in this way in the political sphere? Was Billy McMahon completely to blame for the feud? And how does John McEwen's own behaviour stack up? Well, it can be established that McMahon was a talker indeed, and that he would often leak private discussions that occurred in Cabinet. In fact, McMahon had been caught by the Prime Minister of the time, Sir Robert Menzies, in 1959, of passing on to another Member of Parliament a record of a Cabinet discussion. Menzies was outraged and interviewed McMahon formally with a stenographer taking notes of their conversation. That written record would be kept in a safe in a safe, with the implied threat that McMahon would be dismissed as a minister if it ever happened again. But Billy could not help himself and would, give, would continue to give himself a reputation of being untrustworthy. However, McMahon would continue to be promoted by Menzies and then halt into senior cabinet roles. It was then, in 1966, upon becoming treasurer, that McMahon and McEwen would really clash. 
McMahon, Billy McMahon would be a diligent treasurer who drove himself to defend Treasury as being the government's primary economic adviser. McEwen's accusation that McMahon was leaking information to the press that, and I quote, gave a slanted version, unquote, was a fair accusation. But the accusation that McMahon, and I quote, used his influence as treasurer to oppose my policies, unquote, was hardly a fair one. John McEwen had been using his own authority as Minister for Trade to push through policies such as increasing protection for industry and setting up the Australian Industry Development Corporation, or the AIDC. McEwen's policy, st policy stance on this was going to ensure that the country party would, as a, would, would as a result of increasing industry in rural towns, would survive and maintain its own position. But McMahon, as treasurer, would be in his way. You could not blame McMahon for using his position as treasurer to at least challenge McEwen's policy stances. As treasurer, McMahon had every right to fight for his own portfolio because of the economic implications that they had. And indeed, I would argue that he had an obligation to do so. On the afternoon of Harold Holt's disappearance, John McEwen had moved quickly to do everything possible to stop Billy McMahon, the deputy leader of the Liberal Party, from becoming, the, becoming elected as the new leader of the Liberal Party and then possibly the new Prime Minister. McEwen would fly up to Canberra that afternoon and tender his advice to the Governor-General, Lord Casey. Was this proper? After all, John McEwen was at this stage not even an acting Prime Minister. John McEwen's manipulation of the circumstance of the circumstances was a brazen but yet politically clever action. But it didn't really matter in the end because Lord Casey had already made his, made his mind up that afternoon to appoint John McEwen as caretaker Prime Minister when the, while the Liberal Party decided on its new leader. This would prove to be a critical decision because of the perception that the caretaker Prime Minister would not serve in the same government as Billy McMahon. McEwen, the cunning political warrior he was, would only say that he would not serve under McMahon because he did not trust him. This vague explanation would serve its purpose because it ensured that McMahon would not receive any sympathy from his party or indeed the public. In fact, John McEwen would put very little specific information in writing to support his attacks and accusations against Billy McMahon. But McMahon has provided us with a gift, with a detailed record of his difficulties with McEwen. The papers were dated 12 January 1968 and were addressed to John Gorton, the new Prime Minister. The records would give a detailed record of McMahon's conflict with McMahon of McMahon's conflict with McEwen, I should say, from 1954 to 1967. In it, McMahon would give his side of the story and would, among other things, imply that Harold Holt had been very critical of McEwen and, more sensationally, even wanted McEwen out of the Cabinet. It at least provides some balance to the criticism that has been directed at McMahon, and I urge you to have a read it. It is quite fascinating, and I must say I was quite excited when I found it. 
In the meantime, well, John Gorton and his key supporters, Dudley, Dudley Irwin, Malcolm Fraser, Malcolm Scott and Ainsley Gotto, would work, would work to undermine their, their deputy leader, Billy McMahon, to ensure that Gorton would not be, that, that to ensure that McMahon would not be the new leader of the Liberal Party, even in an acting capacity. By day two after Harold Holt's disappearance, John McEwen had already been sworn in after Lord Casey had determined unilaterally, unilaterally that McEwen would be his chief advisor. The Governor General had what was arguably set opinions about the feud between McMahon and McEwen. McMahon was to blame, and therefore the decision to appoint, to appoint the Country Party leader as acting Prime Minister was inevitable. But just to cover himself, Lord Casey would tell the Governor, the Attorney-General, Nigel Bowen, who was the Government's Chief Law Officer, and Sir Garfield Barwick, Chief Justice of the High Court, of his plans. Why would the Governor-General contact Garfield Barwick to seek his advice? It was understandable that Nigel Bowen was consulted, as he was the Commonwealth's most senior law officer. But Sir Garfield Barwick, as Chief Justice of the High Court, had no such place. Indeed, his role was to make constitutional law decisions that came before his court. It would certainly not be the last time that Sir Garfield Barwick would be embroiled in a contentious decision made by the Governor-General. Anyway, Bowen and Barwick approved of the Governor-General's decision. But what other choice did they have? Their agreement with Casey's course of action was to protect the Governor-General in what would prove to be a controversial decision. After Casey's swearing in of McEwen as acting Prime Minister and McEwen's public statement on his refusal to serve under McMahon as Prime Minister, McMahon made a last-ditch effort to retrieve his battered reputation. He contacted the Governor-General to propose that Casey arrange a meeting with McEwen and himself. This was what should have occurred months previously, rather than the Governor-General's one-on-one meeting that had just occurred weeks earlier with, Mc with, with Casey and McMahon. But Casey and McEwen rejected this. So, by the 18th of December, when McEwen was sworn in as acting Prime Minister, McMahon had been successfully isolated. McEwen's actions had, ins had, ensure, had, had assured that he would get a Liberal leader and a new Prime Minister that would be more amenable to himself and the Country Party. And he would get his wish when John Gorton was elected as the new Liberal Party leader on 9 January and would ultimately be, be sworn in as the new Prime Minister. Billy McMahon, for all his faults, was, I would argue, I would argue, was the best per qualified in the Liberal Party room to succeed Harold Holt as the new Prime Minister. And indeed, I think he should have been the new Prime Minister. He had been in, in a number of senior positions in the government, including the Navy, Social Services, Agriculture, Labour and as Treasurer. He had stood up to McEwen, who as Minister for Trade advocated industry protection and, and an Australian Industry Development Corporation. McMahon had made a deal to support John Gorton in the leadership ballot so he could remain as Treasurer in the new John Gorton-led coalition government. But Gorton would prove to be more, a more accommodating Prime Minister for McEwen and the Country Party than Harold Holt had been. McEwen would admit, as, would admit as such 
when he, when he would admit later, and then I quote, There were times that Gordon and I together decided what our policy should be and told Cabinet afterwards, unquote. As noted in our previous episode, John McEwen had argued that having him as caretaker Prime Minister would ensure that none of the leadership candidates would have an unfair advantage. This was not logical, because the appointment of McEwen as acting Prime Minister, who had declared that his party would not serve under McMahon as Prime Minister, yet it would obviously disadvantage McMahon, wouldn't it? And here are a couple of spoiler alerts. John Gorton had been quite happy to take Billy McMahon's support. Been quite happy to take Billy McMahon's support for his leadership bid. Yet after he became Prime Minister, Gorton would conveniently become a critic of McMahon with his biographer Ian Hancock stating that, and I quote, Gorton's major mistake was not to deal with Billy McMahon immediately, unquote, and that, I quote, McMahon was blabbing secrets and undermining colleagues, unquote. In addition to this, after the next election, in 1969, in which the Liberals lost a number of seats, John McEwen decided, after virtually threatening to bring down the coalition less than two years previously, that guess what, he would remove his objections to McMahon. Billy McMahon has copped a lot over the years. Yes, he certainly deserves some of it. But I think some of it is just plain, un it's just plain unfair. He was certainly no worse than the other key players in these events. John McEwen had bullied the Liberal Party into not choosing their best qualified leader, and working with Lord Casey, the Governor-General, would ensure that the Country Party got the leader of their choosing. The result would be that Australia would find itself with a new Prime Minister who would most likely not have been elected if this manipulation had not occurred. McMahon was certainly no saint, but as I mentioned, he was no, certainly no worse than the other key players in this battle. It's time that we reconsidered this that gave Billy McMahon some credit and his place in history. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time. We'll talk more about the Australian Labour Party and its tumultuous history. Thank you very much. Take care and please keep safe.